Hello, and welcome back to SkyPilot FaithQuest podcast. We begin today with my answering an unasked question. Then I tell you what is probably my favorite self-help book of all time. I tell you how I feel about birthday and Christmas presents. I also give you my thoughts on New Year's resolutions, and then I suggest one for you. You know, just in case. All on the way to answering the question, what's the problem with thankfulness? Welcome to the Sky Pilot Podcast that explores questions of faith, spirituality, and religion. I'm Dan Matthews, and I don't have all the answers, but I do enjoy the questions. Welcome to the podcast where every question is an invitation into a spiritual quest, and you're invited along for the journey. All right, let's jump right in. If you were to ask me my love language, which we did not, but if you did, I would tell you that my primary love language or love languages, I have two, are acts of service and giving gifts. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, there's a book by Gary Chapman about the five love languages. And the important lesson from this book is that your love language is the way you receive love. It's the way you feel loved. But perhaps more important is this, because that's the way you tend to experience love, it's also how you tend to express love. So I feel love through acts of service or receiving gifts, but I'm also most likely to express my love to others through acts of service and giving them gifts, which just as an aside, makes sense as to why I love cooking so much. Because when I place a meal in front of the family, I am simultaneously offering an act of service and a gift. At least in my mind, I am. Now, I'm not mercenary. The love expressed in gifts is not found in the monetary value for me, but a really good gift to me shows an awareness of who I am. A really good gift is to me an expression, as I said, of awareness of me as a person or my attempts to show someone that they are seen and they are known. Oh, since giving gifts is a way in which you express your love, you must really enjoy birthdays and Christmas when they roll around. Yeah, you would think so, wouldn't you? I mean, that's a logical assumption, but in truth, not so much, and I'll tell you why. I enjoy giving gifts the most when it seems to be an appropriate time for the gift. Now, I'll give you an example. So our son had finished college and was living in another town where he'd gotten a job. As it turned out, his work was a couple of miles away from his home, and both locations were very close to a bike trail that wound its way through the city. So since he didn't own a car, he commuted several miles every day to and from work on his skateboard. Now, this might have been more fun if it had been hilly, but he lived in Florida. The skateboard he had used to get to class on campus every day was now a lot less fun when he had to use it to commute several miles in each direction. So having heard about this, I did some research, found a bike that would suit his needs, and had it shipped to him. He was very excited to receive it, and I had so much fun giving it. But birthdays and Christmas aren't as much fun because they're about giving a gift on a particular date rather than being about giving a gift when a wonderful opportunity presents itself. I feel the same way about New Year's resolutions. I'm not against resolutions per se. I just don't really see the connection between the first of the year and a resolution. You don't see the connection between a new year and a desire to make a new start. Is that what you're saying? Okay, fair point. I see the connection, 
But again, it seems a little arbitrary and forced. I kind of feel like resolutions and making a new start is something, well, it's something that can take place any day of the year and not just around New Year's. So to be clear, we aren't going to be talking about New Year's resolutions in this podcast episode? Well, yes and no. Look, I know we all at least think about resolutions around this time of year. Even people who are ardent anti-resolutionists, which I am not, are thinking about them this time of year because they're being asked about them. And if you're an anti-resolutionist, then this is your time to make your stand. So let's talk about one of the major ones that has been getting a lot of attention well, for the past decade or so, and that is thankfulness. I want to talk about the problems with thankfulness. What are you talking about? That's like doing a podcast on the troubles with kindness. Pretty sure thankfulness is always a good thing. Okay, hold that thought. Let's start with a scripture story from Luke, but I'm going to put it into, well, today's context. So here it is. It was just another weekday at the church, but it didn't matter what day it was because the church was a magnificent structure. It was a beautiful and great space that had been built well over a hundred years ago. Today it stands in the middle of towering buildings all around, and as is the custom at this church, it always keeps its doors open, unlocked, welcoming to all who wish to enter and pray or just seek the quietness of this magnificent space. So on this particular day, two men entered at the same time. One was a used car salesman and the other was a monk who was in town for a clergy gathering. The used car salesman slipped in, sat in the back of the church and never really looked up. He was aware of the mistakes he'd made in his life, the people he'd cheated, and how he had seemingly lost his way. As he kept his head bowed, he expressed all of this in quiet prayer to God and asked God for forgiveness, help, and direction. The monk was a very different guy. He walked confidently to the front of the church. And when he got there, he looked for a suitable place to pray. He thought about sitting up front in one of the chairs for the worship leader because he kind of felt drawn to that, but he decided against it. So he chose to sit in the front pew. He liked the choice because it both displayed his humility, not sitting way up front, and his also comfort in the space. As he knelt to pray, he gave thanks that he had never wandered from the right and righteous path. He had always made the right choices in his life. He was thankful that, well, that he was not like other men, not like this troubled soul who had walked into church at the same time that he did. Okay, this is a rewrite of a passage from Luke, but the story in Luke is very much the same. The religious man went to the temple to pray, and these were the very first words of his prayer, God, I thank you that I am not like other people. Now, it doesn't take an expert in biblical studies or biblical languages to see that this man is expressing thankfulness, but there's something off and disturbing about his prayer. One of the churches where I served was a downtown church and had an ongoing ministry to the homeless. There was a kitchen and pretty big dining hall, and we served people six days a week throughout the year, as well as providing services like how to find a job and a mail room to receive mail. There were a bunch of wonderful things that were done for the homeless in this ministry. 
Every year around Thanksgiving, there was a Thanksgiving meal served to the clients of this place. And the list of people, especially families who wanted to be part of serving this particular meal was always significant to the point where it was not unusual that there was a waiting list for people hoping to get to help serve the Thanksgiving meal to the homeless people who came to it. Many of those people who were parishioners and would go work that meal would tell me that they considered it important to bring their children to serve the less fortunate so that on Thanksgiving Day, when they were all sitting around the table enjoying the bounty that they enjoyed, their children would be aware of how fortunate they have it and be truly thankful for all they have in their lives. Oh, that seems a little off the mark, doesn't it? Yeah, good catch. I think it does too. So here's the problem with thankfulness. First and foremost, it can quickly and easily turn into something that looks more like gloating than being thankful. Now, some of this is just a natural expression of the way we feel when we see someone who's struggling in a way that we aren't. And I don't think we can eliminate that awareness or that feeling entirely. I mean, think about it. I'm crossing the street, and the person crossing the street just in front of me is hit by a car, and I'm not. I can't help in that moment but think about how that could have happened to me, but it didn't. But when we begin to say, I help homeless people because it helps me remember and appreciate all that I have, then we also are saying by implication that all they do not have, I'm reminded of as well. Then that's the dark side of thankfulness. And though we call it thankfulness, it's really wandering into the area of gloating, isn't it? Yes, quite. So not surprisingly, there's a push amongst some people, both in the faith community and the world of mental health, to move away from being thankful, which is defined as a response to a particular occurrence, and more towards a life of gratitude. Now, in some sense, this can easily be seen as taking two words that mean largely the same thing and drawing an artificial distinction between the two. And that's accurate. But the process is not really about finding the true meaning of either word as much as it is about giving them, well, giving them meanings that can help us to live in a new and healthier way in our own lives. So many people describe thankfulness as a response, a reaction, and gratefulness as an intentional way of life, an intentional state of being. Now, just like being thankful is something we are taught from a young age, say thank you, our parents would often remind us, gratitude is also not a natural thing. It needs to be chosen and also intentionally worked on. The good news is, the more we choose it, the easier it is to do, to experience, and to make a part of our lives in the future. Now, let me be clear. There are times in life when we are facing painful life struggles, and this isn't about something that will make those go away. As a family, we recently had to put our dog to sleep. It was sad, hard, and painful. This was our daughter's dog that she had gotten when she was in the summer before eighth grade. This was the dog that sat beneath my desk as I recorded many of these podcast episodes. This was the dog we loved. And that day, and the days leading up to it, and the days following it, were hard. And gratitude did not change that. 
So I don't want to imply that if you have current hardship, that gratitude will make it go away. But I will say this, that gratitude helps us eventually deal with that pain because Tonks was a wonderful dog and slowly pain was replaced by gratitude for the time we had together. Yes, yes, I get all of this, but I have a question. How do we go about choosing gratitude? Yeah, absolutely fair question. First, I think it starts with some intentional time set aside for being grateful. Choosing gratitude is like choosing to be fit. It's going to take some exercises to get there. And then I think there's a helpful, a very helpful way to go about it. You have probably somewhere along the line heard of the 80-20 rule. Well, I want to help you with the 90-10 rule as a helpful guide to gratitude. If you want to practice gratitude and not thankfulness that drifts into gloating, I suggest you use the 90-10 guide. Create, first of all, a regular time for yourself to express your gratefulness. But when you do, I suggest you create a guideline for yourself. 90% of the items, experiences, moments you list to be grateful for should be totally outside your ability to influence them. You can be grateful for your job, your apartment, your friends, the car you drive, your ability to play the piano, and that's okay. But all of those are things that you have some influence over, that you have power to change, and therefore that you kind of can feel that you have some responsibility for having created. And those, I suggest, should comprise no more than 10% of your moments of gratitude. So I'm thankful for the beautiful view we have from our condo, which is, again, a valid thing to be thankful for or grateful for. But that is certainly one that we purchased the condo. We can feel proud that we have a great view from our condo. Now I need nine more that are outside my sphere of influence. This time of year, I love the way the brisk, cool breeze hits me in the face as I walk down the street. I love the way the low humidity gives a clarity to the sky around me. I watch the father and daughter. I don't know them, but they're skipping down the sidewalk, holding hands and singing a song loudly. And I'm grateful for getting to see and therefore experience their joy. Now, I won't give you 10 because it would take time and I probably would slow down on the final couple. But the more often I do this, the easier it becomes and the quicker it comes to me and the more regular it becomes. Suddenly, I find myself noticing a moment of gratitude in the middle of my day, not just in those moments that I've set aside for being grateful, but suddenly in the middle of the day, because it has become part of my regular routine, I see them and become aware of them with shocking frequency without having to wait to later express it. Soon, Hopefully, your moments of gratitude are sprinkled throughout, as I said, your entire day and begin to fill it up and you realize that you are indeed living a grateful life. That's all for today. Do you agree that gratitude seems like a worthy goal or do you have even a better suggestion as to how to move into a life of gratefulness? Or do you think there's nothing wrong with thankfulness? Or do you just have a suggested topic for a future episode? If you want to contact me with any of those, my email address is dan at skypilot.zone. And as always, I would love to hear from you. On your spiritual journey, may you ask questions, 
seek answers, and boldly go wherever the quest takes you. Thanks for joining us here today and being part of the SkyPilot FaithQuest community. This is a great place to ask questions you wouldn't feel comfortable or safe asking in other places. And remember, the sign of a strong faith, solid religion, or healthy spiritual journey is not certainty, but that you keep asking questions.